You're listening to the Club Lucha Podcast. Lucha. Lucha. Hi, and welcome back to the Club Lucha Podcast. I'm your host, Foos, back again for another episode. Today's episode will be focused on the results of the 90th anniversary show for CMLL, which happened on September 16th, 2023. By the time this episode releases, I'm predicting it will be around uh, September 30th, depending on how fast I can put it together. I'll also be sprinkling in some other Lucha-related news here at the start, just things that seem significant or interesting that have happened since the last episode dropped. Additionally, here at the end, I'll be dropping in a short, short recap of CMLL's Noche de Campeones, which happened one day before this episode was released. I had to add that here at the end of the show because it was such a good show. I need to talk about it. Um, And my uh, deadline for having the show released kept getting pushed back. So I had to add a little bit more work to it. And now we're getting a slightly longer... uh, less focused on the 90th anniversary, still mainly focused on the 90th anniversary show, but we're going to include that Noche de Campeones show as well. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or corrections, please send me an email at theclublucha at gmail.com. That is theclublucha at gmail.com. First up is the news. The biggest news I have for you um, is regarding Kemunito and CMLL. The man who has portrayed Kemunito for almost 20 years has major issues with CMLL. On September 22nd, Jesus Juarez Rosales spoke out against El Consejo Mundial de Lucha Libre for fraud and mistreatment he experienced from the company. I'm not sure who reported it first. Um, it's on a ton of Spanish-speaking or a ton of Spanish wrestling and sports sites now. Um, I think the article that I was looking at, because uh, I, I was reading through a bunch of the articles, and I remember the original article that went up, and I remember this because um, Cubs fan Lucha Blog shared it, and I read through the article when he first posted it, and I tried to go back to that tweet and read from that article, but the link was dead. So I'm not sure what happened to that website's reporting of it. Um, I had to go back and just look through a bunch of sites to, I guess, try and get the full story again. Um, I think the one that I got the most information um, from, though, was Solo Wrestling. I think they painted almost the same picture that the the first report, the first website, the first person who reported this, um, all that same information, uh, they basically had the closest to it. But I, I looked through a lot of them. A ton of people uh, online, a ton of sites were talking about it. And um, basically that the issues Rosales uh, is having with CMLL, there's a lot. And a lot of this seems to come from Rosales' intention to retire as Quemonito. He has been uh, battling health issues for a while now. Um, CMLL did not want a public retirement for Kemonito. This is what he says, that CMLL did not want a public retirement for Kemonito. Um, this is what he alleges. Instead, they wanted, I guess, kind of to quietly pass along the persona onto another person, kind of like a smooth transition of power for Kemonito. 
wanting us to believe that Kemonito, he's just simply ageless. Uh, you know, make no don't don't notice the guy behind the mask. Just notice this character, right? He's the same character, different guy. Sure. Um, other issues that Rosales is uh, bringing up, the original Kemonito, um, he says he's owed some money, so missing wages. Um, he says he's been humiliated uh, at work. There's workplace abuse, and he alleges discrimination in the company because of his dwarfism. Originally, Gemonito wanted to retire back in 2020 during the beginning of the pandemic. He was convinced to continue working. Um, Gemonito says he was not really paid a lot during the pandemic. From my understanding is he was not paid a lot or really at all during the pandemic. He noted a decrease in his wages after returning back to work. Um, he also had additional restrictions placed on to him by CMLL as to what kind of activities, I guess. I, what I'm assuming here is maybe like money-making activities he could participate in. Um, he's, I think it was also alleging that they pressured him into signing kind of like, a, they, they wanted to pressure him into signing almost like a confidentiality agreement that would allow the company to keep uh, the image rights and the name to Kemonito and for him, I guess this, this uh, agreement for him to not publicly announce his retirement again more behind the scenes um it is i think worth noting um that from my understanding cmll does own the rights and the trademarks to the kemonito name and character um and I guess this is the main thing he is fighting for now. Um, Rosales, he is now spelling que monito, Q-U-E, que monito, instead of K-E monito. Um, I don't know where this is going to go. I'm going to be 100% real with you. I can tell you what has been said, and I can tell you kind of the situation around it. I cannot predict the future. I am not going to sit here and act like I am very well versed in Mexican trademark and copyright law. I'm just a guy who likes talking about Lucha. Um, I have not been gifted uh, with the knowledge of everything, but maybe one day we'll get there. Um, there was a press conference on Monday, September 25th um, with Kemonito and some lawyers However, I am going to say, and I'm going to be very honest, um, from, what I, from what I saw of it and from what I saw reported of it as well, um, there wasn't a lot of additional, like, uh, there wasn't a lot of additional information really uh, presented here, I guess. Not a ton of things that we didn't already know in a way. Um... I can't say that the press conference swayed me in either direction. Um, Camonito is in the right. CMLL is in the right. It's a it's a weird situation. It really is. Um, it, it's a very... I don't know where it's going. CMLL themselves, they have put out a press release, I think almost immediately after Camonito did his press conference, um, talking about the situation. They were refuting that Kemonito formally asked to retire. They said he never put in an official notice. Um, they mentioned sending Kemonito a contract extension, like a new contract, but they never heard back from him about it. And um, I don't know. 
and it's just kind of like I guess your standard refutal of the situation. They were like, oh, basically, you know, we hope that um, all parties are are satisfied with whatever agreement uh, we end up putting together. Um, from what I've gathered, uh, I guess just looking at various reactions and opinions about the situation online, both English and Spanish speaking, um, people seem kind of split on this issue. I don't see overwhelming support for either side. If CMLL does really own the rights to the character, the trademark, the name, I'm not sure what the best possible outcome is for Kemonito here. It was pointed out um, by a few people that the examples the lawyers were bringing up in the press conference of, of luchadores who tried to sue for their like names and like their image and their masks and their characters, um, that uh, maybe these examples were not the best because a lot of those uh, luchadores did not win their characters, I guess. They still had to change their character anyway. I'm very empathetic Monito, I don't know how this is going to turn out for him. I don't know if he's in a, really in a favorable situation or if this is really going to change anything about, uh, you know, characters and who owns characters in Lucha Libre. We'll see. Um, I'm sure I, this is either going to go on for a while or, um, you know, maybe they settle and they work something out. I truly have no idea, um, but we'll see how it goes. However, uh, a kind of like a crazy tidbit, and I think one of the things that really kicked this whole thing off was um, because uh, after after the uh, the 90th anniversary show, they did there was like a, a, a co-promoted sort of like concert or something. I don't remember where it was in some famous venue in Mexico City, where CMLL uh, kind of soft launched. Um, Kemalito, right? The evil brother of Kemonito. He's red. He has devil horns. It really shows he's a villain and he's not the good-natured and kind regular Kemonito. It's more of like an evil, twisted Kemonito, right? Like an angel and a devil on your shoulder type situation. Um, But uh, I think that's where it really started kicking off because then a few days after that, Kemonito put out his... Uh, statement and his intention to do a press release and talk more about it. Um, yeah, so I guess we'll see how that develops. We'll see. They, As of now, they have not debuted Que Malito or Que Diablito. I've seen people call them both things, but I think it is Que Malito. I've, he, they've not debuted him at, at um, Arena Mexico yet. They might be waiting for this situation to be fixed before they, you know, uh, debut him, but we will see where all of this goes. One more, uh, I guess, piece of news that was announced this week on CMLL's Informa was that CMLL is now, is now partnering with MLW. I'm not sure what this is going to bring. Uh, this was kind of surprising. Honestly, this is not something I expected. I don't know how many people called this. I'm sure there must have been a few. I'm sure somebody more in the know than me, more tuned in than me, is definitely saw this one coming. But you know, something to look out for. Um, Microman, uh, son of Kemonito, he's, I think he's currently signed with MLW. I'm not sure if he's going to be participating in any crossover shows or talent exchanges just because 
maybe his dad and CMLL will be in a legal battle. Maybe maybe they will bring him in. Who knows? Though? I have no idea. It'd be interesting to see what this partnership really brings for CMLL and MLW. Who knows? But really, that's all I got on that, on the news. So I want to go ahead and move forward and let's discuss the CMLL 90 Aniversario show. And then after that, we can talk about Noche de Campeones. So, 90 Aniversario, we're celebrating 90 years of CMLL, 90 years of Lucha Libre, the oldest continuously running wrestling promotion in the entire world. 90 years, to put that in perspective, I guess for people who can't count to 90, um, that is more history than some countries, right? I think this is pretty insane for wrestling promotion because 90 years ago, the Great Depression was literally happening. 90 years ago, Albert Einstein roamed the earth. The first King Kong movie was released in 1933. CMLL is as old as King Kong. Imagine that. Anyways, um, I'm predicting, and this is going to be a pretty safe prediction, I'm going to say, uh, CMLL will definitely, more than likely, make it to 100 years. And that, that one is going to be a sight. I'm telling you right now, 10 years from now, go ahead and free the day up, mark your calendars. CMLL 100-year anniversary show. It's going to be a big one, folks. It's going to be a big one. Um, I don't know who will main event that. It's going to be, it has to be something massive, though. Because 100 years, are you kidding me? We might see 50-year-old Mystico main eventing against literally anybody else. We may not see that, though. Who knows? There might, there's a ton of young talent right now in CMLL who may really develop and become huge, huge names um, between now and then. It's 10 years is a long time. 10 years is a really, really long time. But let's just go ahead and start chatting up the actual event. The first match for the 90th anniversary show was a match for the Women's World Tag Team Championships. This match was between Stephanie Vaquer and Zexis against Yuvia and La Jarochita. Initially, I missed this match. I was rushing home. I was out at a festival and I thought I was going to make it back on time. I was a little bit late, so I just completely missed this match. But just because I missed the match at first doesn't mean I didn't go back and watch it. I went back after the show was over. They put up the VOD. I went back. That's kind of, that, I don't know if you heard that. That was like a rewinding noise I made there. I went back and I watched this first match um, because everyone was saying, wow, that was a fantastic match. And let me tell you, my thoughts on it are very simple. It was a great opener. It was a good, good match. Um, the championship that they were fighting for was created this year, and this was the very first match for it. Previously, uh, Stephanie Vaquer and Zexis, they held the Occidente women's tag team titles, but I don't think you can hold uh, more than one belt of the same division at once. So if you hold the Occidente, women's tag team titles you can't hold the world tag team titles um so when they won 
which I'm going to tell you, I mean, I think I've maybe I already said that. I don't know if I said that already. Yeah, Stephanie Vaquer and Zexis won. They vacated their Occidente, and they got these, which are, I guess, a tier higher. They're more prestigious, even though they were just created. And funny enough, the Occidente titles that they vacated were also created this year, and they were also won by Stephanie Vaquer and Zexis over the same opponents, Yubia and La Jarochita. If Yubia and La Jarochita had won, um, I think they also would have had to vacate their national tag team titles. And CMLL, they do have a lot of titles, and a lot of people criticize them for that. I don't really mind it too much, honestly. If we're being completely real, I, that's not really something that's in the back of my head. I'm like, you need less titles, because I think they look cool, right? And, of course, it diminishes the value of a title, but... Come on, we're talking about Lucha Libre. Like, a title already doesn't matter as much as, like, a mask or some hair. Um, but I do think the titles do add a little bit of prestige to cards uh, when we get to really good matchups. Because, I mean, if it's a good matchup, if they put on a good match, that adds prestige to the title anyway. So I'm, I'm not mad about there being a ton of titles. It's whatever. Um, Stephanie Vaquer... Probably my favorite Amazona on the CMLL roster. And here coming up, um, the women actually get a whole month of events here in October. Events, tournaments. Um, I think the Universal, they're, they're going up for the Universal Championship. They get an International Grand Prix. There's some good things coming up for the women of CMLL here in October. So keep an eye out. Second on the card, we had the Copa Independencia Final. We had winners from each of the qualifying matches show up here, and those winners were Esfinge and Trujillo. I've said it previously. I'm going to say it again. I really like Esfinge's mask, and I really like his finishing pin, El Nudo Egipcio. I don't think this match was bad, but I do think that this match should have opened. I think that the order of this match and... Uh, the women's tag should have been switched. I think this would have been a better opener because it. Uh, I think this, the the um, the women's match was better than this one, but again, I'm not going to say this was a bad match. Um, you'd probably be all right if you looked at your phone a few times during this match. Um, again, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't the best match of the night for sure. Um, I don't. I I don't know if I would say it was the worst match of the night either, but it was. Towards the bottom. The floor is very high, though. So, you know, the floor was high, but this was towards the bottom. Um, Rugido, he kicked out of a, a Nudio Hipsio towards the end, but then still fell victim to it on a second attempt. Um, Esfinge, he, he won the Copa Independencia. We got a surprise appearance by the U.S. ambassador to Mexico. Mixed reactions on this guy. Definitely not a lot of cheers from the crowd, and perhaps some chants that would not be very nice to say to people. Um, I'm not sure about the ambassador's work rates. I can't judge him in the ring, uh, but it's safe to say that this audience did not think he was capable of putting on any five-star classics or hitting any shooting star presses. Uh, diplomatically, I'm not very sure of his record there either. I don't know if you can hear that, but in the background you will hear my cat meowing. Um, I'm not going to record this again because he just walked in here and started meowing up a storm. So if you can hear it, cool. But if you can't hear it, that's what happened. 
if you hear some meowing on the final episode. Let's continue. All right, so up third, we did get a nice little Legends matchup. Combined age of all these guys around 380 years old. I may be a little off on that, but this was certainly the older gentleman match of the night. Blue Panther, Atlantis, and Octagon faced off against Virus, Fuerza Guerrera, and El Satanico. The entrances were real nice, and all these guys came out looking dignified and regal. Big, big, massive shout out to Blue Panther with his sombrero and gaban combo. Uh, if you don't know what a gaban is, it's 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 basically just like a, a wool poncho. Um, they go extremely hard. Uh, you've probably seen them a lot before. They're like ponchos. Um, I just I remember I had one as a kid, and I was like, "What's this?" And mom was like, "Oh, it's a gaban." So it's it's a gaban to me, but it's a poncho, basically what it is. Um, but real nice, real nice. This was not a fast-paced match, and if you're expecting fantastic top rope maneuvers and rope acrobatics, maybe this is not the match for you. Maybe you don't want to watch this one. Really, it's more of an exhibition, um, nostalgia for longtime fans and people who watched these legends in their prime. Um, Virus, he definitely still has it. Uh, he was moving quick, and he was, you know, he was working. And Blue Panther, I will say, Blue Panther really surprised me uh, with what he was pulling out in this match. Towards the end, especially when he got when he when he did that dive off the ramp mm, onto Virus, that was nice. That was nice. So Daniel Bryan, Bryan Danielson, whatever you want to call him, I think is I think by now though you should be called I guess Bryan Danielson. Uh, if you still want to go down south and face El Maestro Lagunero, get on it soon, brother. Get on it soon. Uh, the rest of the participants in this match, they were more slowed down by age, but they were still, you know, putting in a fun effort anyways, and the crowd, uh, they weren't fully against it or anything. They seemed into it. Not a five-star classic or anything, but it's fine for what it was, and if you really like arm drags. The Legends match was followed by the Mexico versus the U.S. match. Uh, Mexican Lucha versus U.S. Lucha. Titan and Soberano Jr. against two-thirds of the Lucha House Party, Lince Dorado and Samurai del Sol, a.k.a. Callisto. Shout out, Lince Dorado, Lince Dorado, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't know how, how I messed that name up right there. Shout out, because when I hear Lince Dorado, I want to say it with an English accent, but then I'm like, these are two Spanish words. Why do I want to say it with an English accent? Uh, WWE conditioning, I guess. Um, but shout out, uh, Lince Dorado, coming out in an incredibly fresh get-up. That robe went kind of crazy, brother. That robe went kind of crazy. And Soberano Jr. for Team Mexico, he's always coming in the fresh fits. This match delivered. Lots of exciting action here. One spot that was a bit off, um, Samurai del Sol, kind of, I think he was going for like a uh, a springboard off the top, off the ropes, off the top rope to the outside. But I think maybe um, there was a slip there, um, slipped off the ropes, and he kind of fell a bit short there. But, you know, they recovered well, I think, because um, immediately after that, Lince Dorado, he did, uh, he did a dive to the outside as well. 
Um, but they recovered well off of that. In in their defense, um, you know, I'm sure those ropes are not uh, the easiest to not slip on. Um, can't take too much off for that. I thought that maybe this is just me being overly picky or maybe overly analytical about something like this, but I did think that there was some a little bit of timing issues, not enough for it to be like super glaring, but I thought there was a little bit of timing and maybe positioning sporadically throughout the rest of the match, maybe like one or two times after this. Um, it's not really noticeable. I don't think it's really noticeable if you're not looking for it. Um, I did, I, I do think that other people noticed it, however, because I don't know if I was listening to someone's podcast episode about it and they mentioned it or somebody's write up and they mentioned it. it. It was either, and I can't remember if it was Cubs fans write up cause he did a pretty good write up. Somebody else did a write up too. And I can't remember who pointed it out, but I was, I was reading it and I was like, that's like, I remember mentioning this to somebody and then when I read that, I was like, okay, so I'm a little bit justified because it did feel like there was a little bit of a timing issue at, at one or two points, but it really was not enough that it would like throw off the rest of the match. I guess if you're not looking for it, you're not going to notice it. Um, they did swerve me on the ending because I expected Lince Dorado and Samurai del Sol to lose. They pulled out the victory though. Uh, there was, it was a shooting star press, 450 splash onto Titan and Soberano Jr. I don't think the crowd expected it either because they cooled down a lot as well. They're precious Mexicans defeated by the Americans on this day of Mexican independence. But they would heat back up with the next match. Our fourth match, this was presented CMLL versus New Japan. But... It also could have actually just been Mexico versus the USA again. This really could have been another Mexico versus U.S. The New Japan team, Kevin Knight, TJP, and Rocky Romero facing off the CMLL team, Mystico, Mascara Dorada, and Atlantis Jr. Insane, absurd, phenomenal drip here by Team New Japan. Um, they came out draped in American flags, cowboy hats on their head, and bandoliers across their body. They were fresh. They were looking like some American outlaws of, of the Old West. And it, it worked, too. Not to be outdone, Mystico comes out, these massive angel wings on his back, absolutely nuts. Absolutely nuts. When I saw that, I said, my God, this is, this is incredible. This man came out with the angel wings, a true man of God, um, living the gimmick, brother, living the gimmick. That was very real, very good entrance. It was a really good trios match with uh, the New Japan team being very good, Rudos, and Team CMLL coming back on faults two and three to win it. One spot I particularly enjoyed, the second fall. Mystico popped up Mascara Dorada on his shoulders. Then Mascara Dorada jumped down onto TJP and Kevin Knight and kind of fell back into like a double DDT. So from the top of Mystico's shoulders, he kind of jumps down, grabs their heads as he's coming down and DDTs them. And I thought that was really, really nice. 
Um, there was a lot of pretty good spots in this match, though. I think it was it was very good. Um, Zacarias was there, El Perico Zacarias. Uh, he was spotted on the ramp. I saw him a few times. He really, really didn't do anything other than come out with them, though. So he was there. Um, good guys. They end up winning. Um, big, big applause by the audience. But then they get beat up by Rocky Romero and his goons. Rocky, TJP, Kevin Knight beat them down, rip their masks off. And um, I guess the mystical Rocky Romero feud. I'm hoping we will see it down the line in full. And it's probably going to deliver a lot. I mean, honestly, Rocky is such a good heel in CMLL. Mystico always has the crowd eating out of his hand. Come on, man. That is going to be crazy. Whenever that, whenever they do that, whenever they run that, oh, it's going to be a good one. I'll tell you that right now. It's going to be a good one. Our last two matches were two Lucha de Apuestas. However, it's two matches, but it's really more like two and a half matches because in order to get to the um, the Lucha de Apuestas hair versus hair, we have to set that match up first with this tag match, Ultimo Guerrero and Averno against Volador Jr. and Angel de Oro. The tag portion of the match was good. It served its purpose. It got us into the actual apuestas. Ultimo Guerrero and Averno, uh, they had a good partnership going up until they didn't anymore. Um, Ultimo Guerrero landed a few hits on Averno accidentally. Accidentally, he didn't mean to. So it's kind of like that miscommunication. Averno has had enough. And uh, he takes two hits from Ultimo Guerrero. He has enough. He gets up. He clotheslines him. And then Angel de Oro and Volador Jr. get the win in the tag match, and it sets up the actual lucha de apuesta. So Averno and Ultimo Guerrero, your night is over. Head on, head on to the back. Uh, we got our apuestas going now. I'm going to tell you right now, before I even discuss the details of this apuestas match, hair versus hair, Volador, Angel de Oro, I'm going to tell you this was the best match of the entire night. One of the best matches of the entire year, in my opinion, one of the best matches of the entire year, not just in CMLL, not just in Lucha Libre. I would say this is one of the best matches of the year across any promotion. Um, the very first minutes of this match, the very, very first minutes, Volador Jr. gets a severe, severe shoulder injury after getting slammed into the barricade at ringside on a, like a slam, like getting thrown into it, something that is done a lot, actually, like a lot of people take this uh, bump, take this hit, whatever you want to call it. And, you know, that's like routine, right? It looks gnarly, but I mean, I can't imagine it causes a ton of injuries, but it injured Balador Jr. extremely severely, right? And this isn't the type of injury where like, He's like touching it and like he's still using that arm and like, you know, he's probably has some discomfort. He's going to get looked at after the match. He, this, Volador Jr. could not raise his arm over his head. He could not use his arm. It was like out, right? And this is the type of injury. Nine times out of ten, I would say this injury stops any normal match. If this was just a regular match, this injury would stop it, right? 
Um, honestly, you can't stop it here, though. Brother, we are in the semi-main event of the 90th anniversary show. Your hair is on the line. You stop this now, and you go home bald. They put you on your knees in the middle of that ring, and they shave you bald. And I'm going to tell you right now, that's not something I would wish, even on my worst enemies. So what did Volador Jr. do? Did they work a quick match where he got a roll-up and he won and they preserved the finish and, you know, he got to keep his hair? They didn't do that. Brother, they went out there and they put on a classic, a banger, a damn good match. Angel de Oro, right? Angel de Oro goes out there and looks like a monster, bullying an injured Volador Jr. Volador Jr. looks like a desperate underdog, trying his best to overcome this severe injury and save his hair. Both of them came out of this match looking like a million bucks, if I'm being so honest. In fact, I'm still in disbelief at some of the stuff Volador Jr. was pulling off with just one arm. And massive kudos, massive, massive props to Angel de Oro. I can't, I'm talking about this like Volador Jr. put this match on his back. No. Angel de Oro was working, brother. He was in there keeping him safe from further harm and making it look damn good. They're getting their stuff in, right? And again, dives to the outside, um, springboards, things that some people couldn't make look good with two arms. Volador Jr. was making look good with one arm. And I'm not saying they were perfect. I'm not saying they were perfect. But when it looked like he was struggling, you knew why he was struggling. He's not struggling because he's messing up these maneuvers. He's struggling because he's using one arm. He is putting on the performance of a lifetime with one arm, desperately trying to save the hairs on his head and his image, really. So the match is going, 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 and it's looking really good, and it ends off um, kind of like a springboard uh, one, by the way, one like springboard, kind of like he jumped off the middle rope into a Canadian destroyer and Angel de Oro sold it really well. Like if he just took some very traumatic neck damage, just a very good ending to this match, especially with one arm, uh, one armed Volador Jr. This is like, I guess if I had to compare this to a, a famous sports, um, what do you call performance? Uh, similar. This is like um, Michael Jordan's flu game. This is Volador Jr.'s one-armed match, basically. And the gimmick's not that he has one arm. He just has to do it with arm, one arm because he's in damn pain. That arm is not in service. Somebody had to lose. Unfortunately for Angel de Oro, it was him. He did not come out of that looking any worse. His bald head is not indicative of a lack of skill. His bald head is indicative of Volador Jr. just had that dog in him that night, right? He came out of it. He did what he needed to do with one arm, and, you know, he won. I don't think that hurts Angel de Oro at all. In fact, I think this is probably going to be a boost for his career because of how good of a performance he put on 
that night. If you can only watch one single match from this entire event, this is the one. If you only have uh, time to watch one single match, watch this one. I recommend the entire thing. This is one of my favorite events. But if you only have time for one, watch this one. It is absurdly hard to follow a match um, like Volador Jr. and Angel de Oro. But we still have a main event, right? Mask versus Mask, Templario, and Dragon Rojo Jr. Um, main event, 90th anniversary show. You have to tell a story, right? And this Mask versus Mask match, it told a story that's already been told before. But they keep telling this story because it's a damn good story. Dragon Rojo Jr., he goes out there. He throws everything at Templario. He hits him as hard as he can. With everything he has, tries to take every advantage. He kind of jumps him during the entrances. He kicks Chamuel in the chest. He hits, he hits Templario with everything. Dragon Rojo Jr. He's trying his best. Unfortunately for Dragon Rojo Jr., it's just not enough. There were a few times in this match where I did actually truly believe that Templario was in danger of losing. I went in with a belief that there's a 99.9% chance, almost 100% chance that Templario wins. There were a few times, a few um, near falls uh, with Dragon Rojo Jr., including one where he was he pinned him near the corner and he was holding onto the ropes with both hands. And I thought, oh my God, oh my God, Templario is about to lose his mask. I was completely wrong. They swerved me. I completely got this one wrong. I thought it was going to be predictable, and they just gave it to Dragon Rojo Jr. He's got this. Templario kicks out. They got me. They got me again. They got me when I thought that they got me in a different way. Um, unfortunately for Dragon Rojo Jr., he loses his mask. This match was exciting. A bit predictable. I still liked it. Um... I liked it because it, it made me doubt my initial assumptions. Uh, worth watching. Good main event. The post-match. Um, one thing I didn't like about the post-match was I think Dragon Rojo Jr. was trying to talk to the crowd. And they were showing, like, instead of, like, cutting to him and be him being the main focus, talking to the crowd, they were doing, like, replays. And then also the commentary team was just speaking over him. So I couldn't really catch what he was saying while he was trying to talk if that makes sense. Um, so that's one thing I didn't like. You could still see the emotion. He was still very obviously devastated. His family came in, uh, his wife and daughter. Um, they helped him take off his mask. He was just, you know, very, very emotional, as I think anybody would be if you just lost uh, your mask in a match like this in front of that many people in such a historic, um, significant event like an Aniversario show. Overall, the entire show was very, very good. Great even. And I say this, um, I say this all the time, and I keep saying it every, after every show that I've been talking about CMLL so far on this podcast, um, really starting back with like Fantastica Mania uh, Mexico back in what, June? That was like on episode one. I think I talked about that on episode one, episode two. Or episode three, actually. I think it may be, maybe episode three. Anyway, 
I think that's just a testament, though. CMLL is doing really, 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 really well this year. I said really, really. CMLL has been doing really, really well this year. Good show after good show. Uh, I'm, I'm. Some people say, you know, this ma- this card was good, but like maybe not the best, maybe not great. I think it was great, but that's you can't really compare opinions with other people because everyone's going to be different and if you don't like this if you don't like the card there's nothing wrong with that it's not your taste maybe you don't like it in my opinion though this i'd rate this one amongst my favorite of the entire year across all professional wrestling not just lucha libre um i highly highly recommend you watch it and you can now uh in a bit of a delay but so $8.99 it'll cost you $8.99 cmll's members only youtube uh, membership you get uh, all the member only videos and you get live streams of their Tuesday night shows at Anana Mexico um, their events you get them nine days after they air so a week and two days uh, for Friday shows which is like their most important shows like their personally I think like their best shows um, so you get them nine days after if you want to watch El Aniversario the 90th Go ahead, pay that $8.99. You don't even got to keep it. Honestly, if you just want to do it for one month just to watch this show, go ahead and do that. Get the membership for a month. Watch this card. Maybe go back and watch a few of the other really good events uh, like Fantasica Mania MX, like the Leyenda de Plata Finals, like the International Grand Prix. Uh, you know, take a day, take two days, two weekends. You don't got to pay for more than one month, honestly. Just go in there, do that. Enjoy yourself, right? It's definitely worth it. Um, and very, very good professional wrestling. Best Lucha Libre that you can find today, I will say, in 2023. Uh, AAA just didn't, just, you know, AAA Mania did not come close to this this year. Um, CMLL blowing them out of the water in terms of entertaining, uh, satisfying, and intriguing their fans, I will say. Um, they're really, really just knocking the ball out of the park. It sounds like I'm just praising them to no end here, but it is really enjoyable, and I think more people should tune in. Uh, I understand, I know I've said it before, I understand the language uh, barrier, but I, I mean, you get the gist of it just by watching. You can tell the emotions and what they're doing in the ring just by watching. Um, but, you know, I recommend it. Originally, I had planned to end this episode here. But because my deadline kept getting pushed back and delayed, I have to include CMLL's Noche de Campeones show. I'm going to try and keep this one much shorter than the Aniversario talk. Um, But I still want to talk about it because it was last night and it was really, really, really good. All right. So Noche de Campeones uh, functioned almost like if you need a point of reference, maybe something like a a Cyber Sunday uh, from WWE, right? There's six title matches that fans get to vote for, and you get three choices who you want to see in each title match. I'm going to go ahead and give you a series of quick results of each match here. They're going to be really short. There's going to be short blurbs about them. Um, just because I have to, because this match, these cards were so, I mean, this card was so good and these matches were so good. I have to talk about them. Not going to be as in detail, um, as anything else. And I don't even really think I went that in detail with Aniversario talk. It was just kind of like a overview, but, um, yeah, let's just jump in. Uh, 
All right. So the matches were ordered uh, by how many votes each matchup got in the polls. So wh whichever poll got the most votes, they would be the main event. Whichever poll got the least amount of votes, they're the opener. Our first match, our opener, saw Barbaro Cabernario facing off against everybody's favorite, Esfinge, for the CMLL World Light Heavyweight Championship. This was a very good match and a very good opener. Um, they really brought it uh, really exciting, honestly. Barbaro Cabernario, he has one of my favorite gimmicks in CMLL. Really one of my favorite gimmicks in all of professional wrestling because that man, he's just a caveman. Like that's his, he's a caveman. He has a sick worm, right? When he goes in there, he does the worm and he jumps up and he kind of does that like kind of thing. That looks cool to me, right? I enjoy that. That's real. That's real. That's classic graps. Don't care what anybody says. Oftentimes the best gimmicks are just that guy is a caveman. That guy is a pirate. Uh, that guy, he's kind of like a dragon, right? Simple gimmicks um, that are just good, right? And he's a good, good uh, luchador. He brings it. Um, high level of effort in this match by Barbaro Cabernario. He retains. Absolutely worth watching. Watch this one. Second match had Stephanie Vaquer against Lata Catalina for the vacant CMLL World... Our women's World Championship. This match shows why Vaquer is holding two championship belts right now. She's just that damn good. A very good match between the two Chilenas. Um, Vaquer has issued a challenge. Actually, after this match, Vaquer won. A very good match. She issued a challenge to Mercedes Monet. Come on down to Arena Mexico and be her first challenger for this championship. And I, for one... Would very much like to see it. Again, second match, absolutely worth watching. Third match, this was for the Campeonato Mundial de Pequeñas Estrellas between our current champion, Mercurio and Pierrocito. Another good match, great maneuvers, lots of effort. I have to rate it, very much worth watching. And I do want to include this uh, for people who are not keeping up with the polls, for people who are not voting like every day or like really not voting at all. Because I mean, I feel like a lot of people did not vote. Um, a lot of people didn't even know that there was a vote going on. I tried to influence the best that I could and I tried to vote every day for the people who I wanted to win. Um, I even sent some of these polls in the Discord and asked for people to vote. But I didn't send them every day because I figured that'd be annoying and I don't want to annoy people if they're not super interested in in this. So, But um, for a while, this, uh, the, the minis match between um, Mercurio and Pierrotito, this was actually the main event for a long time. It had the most votes. But there at the end, um, don't know why. I don't want to say bots. Maybe people were really just enthused towards the end. Voting picked up and moved down the card a few slots. No problem, though. They still delivered. They still had a great match. The fourth slot had Mystico going up against El Pequeño Maestro Virus for the CMLL Historic World Middleweight Championship. This match was, again, fantastic. Continued the trend of great matches for the night. 
Um, there was a very interesting finish. Mystico could not lock in La Mística. And he instead put Virus in a llave, which I do not know the name of. But it got the job done, and it was very cool. If you know the name of this llave, um, send it to me in an email. Let me know, or just message me or whatever. However, you can contact me and let me know if you know what it was called. Because I don't know what it was called, but I thought it looked cool. And I thought it was a good finish. Um, very cool of Mystico as well. He came out in a uh, Black Warrior Mystico Fusion tribute mask. Um, they faced each other 17 years ago, mask versus mask, Arena Mexico, for the 73rd anniversary show. Great show of respect for Black Warrior. If you don't know, Black Warrior passed away earlier this year in January. Um, also, uh, I haven't mentioned this for the other matches, but after um, the matches, someone would come out, either like El Fantasma, the commissioner, he would come out, he came out for a few, but I don't think he came out for all of them. He came out for a few to put the belt on people, and then there would also be like another person or like two other people with some significance to that championship to like put the belt on the winner. And for this one, um, we had uh, Tony Salazar, who is uh, Mystico's uncle, and he works backstage, CMLO, and uh, Mano Negra, uh, Lucha Libre legend Mano Negra. Um, he is the father-in-law of, he was the father-in-law of Black Warrior. So that was a very good uh, tribute, show of respect for Black Warrior. The semi-main event was for the National Trios Championships between Los Indestructibles and Los Atrapasueños. Uh, Los Indestructibles, they came out of nowhere, really, to win this poll. I was 100% certain that uh, Santo Can Jr. and Los Villanos were going to win because they were dominating up until the very end when they were overtaken. I was stunned. I was stunned that they lost the poll. And then I was stunned again because Los Indestructibles actually won this championship match. Um, this wasn't a bad match, but I will say out of everything, um, out of all of the other matches tonight, this one was probably the weakest, uh, of everything tonight. Again, not bad. Um, could have been a little bit, it felt almost like a, an opener for like a, a Friday show, like an opening trios for a Friday show. Didn't feel too much like a semi-main no problems at all. Good for them. Good for them. I'm sure they're happy uh, to have gold around their waist. And I'm not I'm not bitter that uh, Santo Can and Los Villanos didn't get in. I'm not bitter. Nobody say I'm mad about that because I'm not mad. <laughs> Finally, the main event. The main event. Ooh, let me tell you about the main event. The best match of the night. Mystico and Virus. I thought that they were the best up until this one. I thought Mystico and Virus put on a fantastic match. And then Titan and Mascara Dorada started going at it. I'm going to tell you right now. Fantastic through and through. It kept building and building and building. And towards the end, I really thought that Mascara Dorada could do it. I thought he was. I thought he's going to beat Titan. They're going to put it on him. He didn't, but... I thought he, he could have done it. I thought there at the end, maybe they were going to give it to him. Um, 
I will say this. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. Mascara Dorada is that guy. He's the guy. He's, he's, oh man, he's, he's the guy for CMLL's future. I don't know how, how else to kind of describe that. Everyone is taking note. Mascara Dorada is him. His moveset is so creative, so smooth. It's, it's the, I think, my personal favorite right now. I think it's the best in all of CMLL. And I'm a huge Mystico fan. I love Mystico, right? If you ask me who my favorite uh, luchador is in CMLL, oh, it's Mystico. It's absolutely Mystico. Mascara Dorada is a close second, though. I'll tell you that right now. His, his moveset is nuts. He has one of the most exciting in all of Lucha Libre. And I'm going to take it one step even further than that. He has one of, if not the most exciting moveset in all of professional wrestling right now. And I'm not like a hot take merchant. I'm not somebody who's just like, hot take this. Let me say something controversial just to hear myself talk. Because I don't even think this is a hot take. I don't think this is a crazy thing to say. He's out here executing maneuvers, dives, and flips that, you know, I don't know. I don't know who else is doing it like him. And there's a lot of guys who are doing it really, really well right now. But like him, I don't know, man. There's this one really, really good spot where um, Vitan was dazed by the barricade and Mascara Dorada runs uh runs down the outside and does like a cutter from inside i guess the the barricade to outside on titan like and just kind of like cutters him on the barricade and then mascara Dorada lands on the outside of it and that looked great that was so smooth i, I was out I like i don't know man like the, the things he's doing man He's different, man. He's different. He really is. And I'm not saying that he was carrying because Titan was not slouching off. Titan was cooking, right? Titan was doing his damn thing as well. Um, crowd was going nuts. Crowd was really, really loud, especially there at the end. I was hypnotized when I was singing in the ring. That last sequence with uh, Mascara Dorada caught up in uh, La Llave Inmortal, which is kind of like a, a Muda lock. Um, it's kind of like traps the traps the legs in almost like a kind of like a figure four, like a cruceta, like but like instead of going away, he he it's like inverted, and then he leans back and he bridges, uh, he he bridges with his head and his neck, and then he reaches back over with his arms and wraps under uh, the chin or like around the neck, and then he cranks and. Um, I thought that when he caught Mascaro Dorada in that, Mascaro Dorada was going to reach the ropes and escape. And I was like, wow, he's, he's, he's about to get out. Like, cause he kept crawling. He kept, he kept, uh, resisting the tap, resisting the submission, resisting, uh, giving up. He kept resisting, resisting. And then right when he's about to, I, I, God, he was like hands length away from the ropes. The Don cranks it, cranks his, uh, back with his, with his, uh, I don't know, with his arms wrapped around his chin, he cranks back on it. And I think that was enough. I think that was enough for Mascara Dorada to submit. Forced to tap. Fantastic finish. You know, Mascara Dorada looked great. Titan looked great. No one came out of that looking bad. Even in even in losing, he came he comes out 
still looking like the future, right? And that's I think that's the big thing here is Titan is just more experienced than Mascara Dorada and maybe in the future, who knows what it'll look like five years from now. Maybe Mascara Dorada, they run that back again and he smokes Titan. But that was a good one. That was a damn good one. Um, some people, I saw some people chattering match of the year candidate. It was damn good. So if it's their match of the year candidate, I can't, uh, I definitely can't object to that, right? We are all entitled to our own opinions. I can definitely see that opinion being a real good one too. And if it is, you know, if you do consider it your match of the year candidate again, that means Mascara Dorada has two. He has the one against Rocky Romero and he has this one. And the year is not over, brother. We still have, what, two two full months, three months, October, all of October, all of November, all of December. We have three months left, brother. He could put on another classic at another event. Who knows what's going to happen? CMLL is on top right now. That's that's not um, that's not an opinion. I feel like I feel like they're undoubtedly on top of Lucha right now. They're smoking Triple uh, A in terms of just quality of shows and satisfaction. Like I was saying earlier, and they still have some good ones coming up. Um, I mentioned earlier October is going to be focused on Las Amazonas. We'll be seeing a lot of good women's wrestling. Additionally, interesting to see what comes up in the future with CMLL and MLW's partnership and more with the uh, partnership of uh, Revolution Pro Wrestling, RevPro, over in the UK. Um, so there's a lot to keep up with. I'll be doing my best to cover as much as I can. If I can't do it in a podcast episode, which I'm going to try and bring out, I mean, I'm definitely bringing out another one here in October. This one's coming out before midnight tonight, uh, September 30th. So I'm keeping my promise. You got two episodes in September. Again, I apologize for no uh, with no August episode. You get two in September. You get another one in October. Maybe two in October. Who knows? But again, thank you for listening. I'll see you on the next episode of the Club Lucha Podcast. I'll see you later. <laughs>